Welcome to episode 285 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we discuss the Rabbitohs going south, Bulldogs in crisis, NRL dead rubber week, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 285 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, the final round of the NRL is upon us. Are you pumped? Are you ready to roll? Yo, Dr. T. It's Tish from this side. And yes, I am pumped. Can you believe it? We are one round away from the NRL finals. I mean, it feels like yesterday that we uh, had our crystal ball episode and, uh, you know, uh, I was predicting the Tigers are going to win the premiership and, uh, boy, was I wrong. Um, but, yeah, look, uh, yeah, good. And you know what? The finals picture is not completely set. A couple of uh, games that mean a lot and a couple of games that mean absolutely nothing, which we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's lots to talk about. And, you know, it's it wouldn't be NRL if we didn't have at least one uh, club in crisis. This <laughs> week we have two. So, you wow. know, lucky us, all our Christmases have come at once. Uh, the Bulldogs and the Rabbitohs, we're going to talk about that later. There's some uh, some other good news in terms of women's referee as well. Uh, refereeing ranks uh, have uh, are going to have a historic round happening this weekend we'll talk about that later and then we'll also get into the nrl dead rubber situation there's been some um you know controversy here with the with the claims that clubs are going to arrest a lot of their key players and and really you know manufacture or artificially uh you know help certain teams get into the finals and i think some people are finding that a little bit unfair so um, there's, a, there's a lot more to get into. And uh, look, why don't we just jump right into it? Tackle one, round 26 review. Here we go. All right. Round 26, the penultimate round of the NRL this year. Uh, well, it was the last round for the Eels, who ended up uh, <laughs> finishing off on a high, defeating the current reigning champions, 32 to 18 Eels over the Panthers at their home ground at Bluebet Stadium. So well done in front of about 21,000 or so fans. Um, the Warriors 18-6 over the Dragons out of uh, out at Go Media Stadium there in Auckland in front of 25,000 fans. Well done. Um, Cowboys 34 to 10 over the Dolphins at Suncorp Stadium in front of 33,000 or so fans. Melbourne 37 16 uh, over Titans at Amy Park in front of 18,000 or so. Roosters 32 to 8, uh, ending the Tigers' hopes to make the top eight <laughs> at <laughs> Allianz Stadium in front of 22,000 fans. Uh, keeping their own hopes alive, the Roosters, of course, with that win. The Broncos 29-18 to over the Raiders at GIO Stadium in a controversial match there in front of 19,000 fans. Uh, the Manly Warringah Seagulls 42-24 to over the Bulldogs at a core stadium in front of a pretty low 13,000 fans there. Or not pretty low, I mean, compared to the others, I guess. Uh, and the Knights uh, sell out against the Sharks 32-6 to at McDonald Jones Stadium in front of 29,000 fans. And the Rabbitohs had that by going into the last one. And for that final, uh, well, the penultimate round, getting going into the final round, the NRL ladder looks like this. The Broncos are poised to achieve. Is, is this their first ever minor premiership, I believe? I remember reading. I can't believe yeah. that. I'd have to look it up. But if that is the case... They are, I think you would consider them to be, you know, possibly favourites to to take it out. They are on 42 points 
ahead of uh, the Panthers, who are on 40 points. And, uh, um, you know, and we'll talk about that later, what games they've got coming up. The Warriors are in third spot uh, on 38 points. Um, it's still in danger of, of, of getting down to fourth spot, but look, they, they, at the very least, and, and could potentially, uh, no, they can't, probably won't be able to make second spot unless they win by 200 points. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, the Warriors there on 38. The Storm, uh, that's your top four. Uh, the Storm is in 36 points there. Um, then we've got, you know, we talked about the battle for the top eight. Currently, we've got the Knights on 33 points, the Sharks and the Raiders equal on 32, Rabbitohs and Cowboys and Roosters equal on 30. Uh, the Eels are on 28, but by the time they get the, the points from the buy, they'll go up to 30 as well. Um, but they still will not be able to make the top eight because one of either the Rabbitohs, the Cowboys and the Roosters uh, will will make it. Roosters and Rabbitohs fight off against each other, so at least one of them have a chance of making it. And obviously the Cowboys, uh, if they can defeat the, the Panthers, uh, depleted Panthers most likely, um, they might uh, you know overtake the Rabbitohs who are currently in eighth spot. And the bottom, uh, the Seagulls, 27 points. A little further back, Titans and Dolphins equal on 22 points. Bulldogs on 20, Dragons on 16, and the Tigers, unfortunately, with a wooden spoon this year on 14 points. Tish, uh, yeah, look, in terms of the, the matches this round, I think for me, um, you know, the Warriors continue to do their thing. Uh, the Broncos, a really tight one against the Raiders, um, you know, stumbling a little bit, but ended up uh, with the win there. And uh, obviously, Ricky Stewart possibly with a fine for swearing at um, at the, uh, the the cameraman who lingered a little too long on Ricky Stewart on the sidelines for his liking. He just he told him to uh, uh, go forth and multiply, as they say. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> he could be in a bit of trouble uh, with uh, with the NRL. I don't think he deserves to be. I think that's uh, you know fair enough. He was a bit under stress. He's a stress ball, old Ricky. Mm. But um, you know. It is what it is. The Knights with a really important win against the Sharks. I mean, look, I I think I tipped the Sharks. Unfortunately, I lost that one in terms of the tipping. But, um, you know, the last minute, uh, you know, removal of uh, Nico Hines from the lineup, I think he injured himself at training. Um, it completely screwed up my tips because I think that with a, a Nico Hines there, I think they could have actually made something of it, but it ended up being all the night's way. And look, for the final time, I'm going to say this. Um, my Eels, you know, again, when it doesn't matter, Parramatta, <laughs> because, you know, if they had just won one or two more games this year where they had lost by, you know, three or four or, or so, you know, um, not not by much, um, you know. It's it's a case of uh, what could have been for the Eels. Um, disappointingly, one of the grand finalists to not, uh, you know, last year not making it to the top eight this year. A lot of people are going to be calling for, um, you know, Brad Arthur to be moved on again. Um, disappointing, but, you know, they they played a good game. They put it together. I think they were much more motivated than the Panthers. And I think one of the key things that came out of that was a, a Luai injury uh, as well. Um, I think he injured his shoulder. He, he dislocated his shoulder. So, you know, that is going to have ramifications for the final series. And he probably won't be able to come back until the preliminary final, the, the grand final qualifier, if he makes it that, if they make it that far. So, um, yeah, my Eels, I don't know what's going on with them. They, they managed to put some really good, it was a dominant performance, uh, really up until, uh, in fact, they were at some, at one point they were almost 30 points ahead. And, uh, I think they let in a couple of really, really soft tries at the end when it didn't matter. Um, disappointing, I think as an Eels fan to see what could have been. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, mathematically, they just cannot make it unless, um, well, they, if, if the Tigers had beaten the ro the Roosters, we could have made it uh, via a miracle, but the miracle has slipped away from us, unfortunately. There's no way they can make it. But, um, you know, the Tigers have been here before, Tish, perennially ninth. <laughs> I think that's what – it's possible <laughs> the Eels might be in the ninth position or some, some or thereabouts, um, unfortunately. Yeah. 
But yeah, look, I, I won't talk any more about the Eels because they got the buy next week, but um, or this weekend. But you know, yeah, disappointing. Disappointing is the way I look at it. When when you you look at what could have been, it's uh, you, you look back with this season, uh, you look back on this season with a bit of regret as as an Eels fan. Um, but the the Warriors are slowly building. There's there's a lot of other clubs that are, you know, revving up at the right time. The Knights, the Warriors. It's going to be an exciting top eight, uh, regardless of um, of what the final makeup looks like. Because I think we're talk- the teams that are on fire at the moment, the Broncos, the Warriors, and uh, the Knights, for example. They are, you know, they they're uh, they're pretty much guaranteed a spot. Um, unless a major miracle happens and the Knights get knocked out. I think they are actually, possibly the Knights are guaranteed a spot regardless. Um, let me just have a look at the numbers. But, yeah, um, Tish, what are your thoughts about that round? What were the highlights for you? Well, for me, um, I think uh, one of the things that I, I want to bring up is the uh, the tremendous crowd that was at, uh, you know, um, Marathon Stadium. I, I don't know what the... Uh, what the actual name for it is at the moment because, like, you know. But anyway, but the the night McDonald Jones, McDonald Jones Stadium. McDonald Jones, yeah. But it was absolutely great to see. Like, you know, it was a, a full crowd on a Sunday afternoon. And, um, you know, like it was pretty tight uh, for a little bit in the first round uh, up until sort of the second half. And then the Knights kind of ran away with it. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a great game. And you actually really saw the form that the Newcastle Knights are in. Um uh, coming into the finals and pretty exciting. I mean, they're going to finish fifth, and I think they even mentioned it that they'll probably the worst case scenario for them is actually sixth. So they are like one team to really uh, look for in the finals um, to do well. And I think the other team, obviously, as you mentioned, is the Warriors as well, who've you know sort of locked up the top four position. Um, and interesting, you know, they're one of the teams that are resting quite a number of players. Um, in fact, I think they've got Sean Johnson and, um, you know, uh, and Nickel Clockstead and, uh, and even uh, like they're waiting in their, their dummy half, uh, or Luke Metcalf as well. So they've got the entire spine resting this week. So, um, there you go. I mean, who would have thought in 2023, you're going to see the Warriors finishing in the top four and resting plays in the final round, right? That's, that's where they're at. So, um. Yeah, there you go. So it's it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I just wanted to highlight those two teams. And look, you know, a few weeks ago, we kind of talked about the finals picture. Um, we kind of excluded <laughs> the Roosters, and they've become they've come like you know, um, qu- uh, that are no, ducks quack right. What are the, what do Roosters do? They've come cockadoodling in, crowing. Oh no, crowing in, cockadoodling. Yeah, yeah, yeah cockadoodling in all the way, and then um. They've got a real chance now, and um, you know I'm trying to put these machinations together. And um, you know, it, I suppose the really interesting thing—I know we're going to talk about the dead rubbers as well—but this is kind of interesting. Where six and seven, so Sharks and Raiders are going to play each other this week. Eighth and and tenth are going to play each other this week, and two, two, which is the Rabbitohs and the Roosters. Um, so that is super, super interesting. How. That's going to go. And then the Cowboys are also playing the Panthers. Um, and that game, I think, is happening on the Saturday. So that's actually after, um, you know, that's actually after the Rabbitohs Roosters sort of game where the Roosters, where the Cowboys will know if they've got a chance or not to play. And interestingly enough, the Panthers, they're not resting as many players as what they normally do. Um, they've got they've got Nathan Cleary in. They've got Dylan Edwards in. Um, they even, well, okay. Probably not their dummy half, which that which they never really they never really had a big name dummy half this year anyway. Um, I suppose the only person that is out is Jerome Lawyer, but that's because of injury anyway. So the Panthers, um, I think they're gunning for premiership uh, for the minor premiership uh, because on the other hand, the Broncos they're resting everybody. I mean they've yep. got uh, they've got one. Well, how many players do they have? One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine of their players are out from last week's lineup, right? And they're taking on Melbourne, who have rested one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen from their squad last week. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> there so, you go. Yeah. <laughs> Insane, right? 
It's insane. And I, sh- I should probably add, we've already, well, I think we've segued into tackle two. We're going to talk about the oh, NRL we'll, dead we'll rubber. That, yeah. No, that's all right. No, we can, we can segue into it. We don't need, uh, don't need the music interlude for that. But look, yep. um, this is what we're go- one of the things we want to talk about. Head, and it's a good segue. Um, you know, you can't talk about what just happened and, and w- without sort of looking at what's going to happen in the next week. Um, <clears throat> there's a controversy, uh, Controversy, as you've seen, uh, Tish, you've just mentioned that a lot of these teams are resting key players. Um, and what's causing, I guess, some controversy here is that some clubs are sort of thinking, you know, they're lucked out by not having... Uh, not not being lined up against a team that is resting all their players and you know being guaranteed of a win, um, you've got a situation where you know Panthers are resting some players, although they've also got injury worries. But this was a concern that the, that they would rest so many players, uh, you know, in in view of trying to sort of save them for the finals. Um, <clears throat> in doing so, giving the Cowboys an opportunity to to have an unlikely win. And and then sneak their way into the top eight. So Roosters and Rabbitohs, meanwhile, are playing each other, thinking the winner takes uh, the top eight spot. But actually, they could both be gazumped by the Cowboys. But this is what we were. Th- this is what people were thinking. But as you're saying, Tish, the Panthers look like they're not resting as many players as you would expect. They're not. They're not putting a, a B grade side in. They they put in, you know, most of the key players are in. So. There goes that theory, <laughs> but in terms of the Warriors, <laughs> the Warriors are look. This I guess that one's not not consequential because if the Dolphins beat the Warriors, it doesn't really matter. All that will matter is the Warriors are probably going to uh, move from third to fourth because the Storm, Storm and Broncos is really where it's at. If the Broncos, um, you know, come to play, then uh, they they're in with a chance of uh, basically defending that two point buffer that they've got. They basically have to win. If they win, they win the minor premiership. If they don't, um, I think it's fair to say that the Panthers are probably likely to beat the Cowboys, even though they've rested some players. Is that is that kind of uh, fair in terms of what, the way you see it, Tish? Yeah. Well, look, what I say is with the Broncos, I don't think they really care about the minor premiership because they wouldn't be resting as many players as what they're resting, right? Um, as I mentioned, they're, they're, they're resting about nine players, including their entire spine, but also like Katoni Staggs and, you know, Payne Haas and uh, Kirk Capel, right? Even Selvon Cobber, right? So they're, they're throwing some, the match. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot that's out, right? Um, you know, in, in that li- lineup, right? And I suppose the, the, I mean, the other point about it is, is that the, you know, their opponents, um, Melbourne, I mean, they've gone to task a lot harder, right? They've, they've, they're pretty much, they've got a complete new, completely new lineup. I mean, the only, the only player that seems to, to like, you know, Ryan Peppenhausen is back. <laughs> um, Remus Smith, Justin Ollum. And then the rest of them, I feel, um, or, you know, there's Tarek Sims, but everybody else seems very new, you know? So, so yeah. Uh, why like, why you know, would they be doing that is the question. Why would, why, why would they want to avoid, you know, the 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 minor premiership? Well, this is kind of interesting. Next week they're gonna either have to play. Well, they're not gonna play the Warriors. I, I think they've worked that out, right? They're gonna play either the Panthers or the Broncos again. And you know, um, depending on how things go, um, I suppose they want to be at full strength playing the Panthers. Like that's that's probably what it is for the Storm. Um, because, you know, and then I think for the Broncos' point of view, again, same sort of thing. Um, they're either going to play the Storm or the Warriors, and and they probably don't want to play the Storm. I think that's the main thing with them. They'd rather play the Warriors because the Warriors are not, um, you know, that they, they haven't played in the finals for a few years, so they don't have as much experience as what the Storm do in the final series. Um, I don't know how much of it, if that matters or not. Look. Plus, the other thing is, look, they've got the first. They've got they've got positions one and two sort of locked up. The Broncos, right? They haven't played finals in a few years. Um, you know, they know that it's difficult to win three games against top eight sides in a row uh, to get to win the premiership. So that's that's probably what they're doing. Um, I would say. So look, it, it is all tactical, um, and it's it's what this system has a problem with, like the way that we do the draw at the moment where there is no rest in between this and the finals. 
Um, because, you know, rugby league, like, like it or not, it's brutal sport. You know, injuries and recovering from injuries is a big, is a big, big part of the game, right? So a lot of these teams that are in form, part of the reason why they're in form is because they've got more of their top 17 uh, fit <laughs> than the rest of the team who will probably, uh, rest of the sides who have got issues with some of their top 17. So that's where, um, you know, they've, you know, I think the NRL does actually need to look at it because it is, um, I mean, I don't think the Storm, for example, can, can, I don't think you should have allowed, be allowed to rest more than 13 players unless they've all got injuries, you know, that, and, and not just mystery injuries that need a one week recovery, right? Injuries that will, like, like there's got to be some sort of audit happening here, man. Like, I just, yeah, it's, <laughs> Just doesn't That's make sense. It's got to be an investigation. There's, yeah, like I didn't want to say there's, there's that. Because, look, I think for the Broncos, the Panthers, the Warriors, and the Storm, like the top four, everybody else, well, I suppose, you know, let's take the Panthers out of it because the Panthers, I mean, they're not really – theirs is not ridiculous, right? Um, but the but the other three, I suppose, uh, it is pretty bad. And everybody else is pretty much, I mean, like, not, like uh, maybe not the Knights. Uh, actually, the Knights are resting some players too, actually, because I, I don't think they've they can improve their position. So maybe the Knights as well, are probably in the in this camp of uh, you know craziness. They're 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 resting. Are oh, they only resting four? Dane Gagai, Kalen Ponga, Phoenix Crozen, and Tyson Frizzell. But they're, but you know they're pretty big outs for the Knights as well. So mm. um, yeah, but everybody else is pretty much trying to do full strength because you know um, you know the Roosters and the Rabbitohs they've got to fight it out. I mean. The Cowboys, their season is still alive, and Sharks and Raiders. I mean, they're trying. They're trying to position themselves. One of them are trying to position. They're trying. They're basically playing for a home game, right? And there is a chance the Raiders could be out as well. Um, they're not completely safe as well, um, depending on, like, say for example. Well, if the- they if they lose, you're right. If they lose and the Cowboys win. Then yep. the Raiders are out because they've got by far the worst uh, for and against. For and against, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so if the Rabbitohs win, the, it's going to put the Raiders under pressure. Um, who plays first? And that was the other thing you talked about, like they're doing the football right. Every, every, all the games are on at the same time, but that's not the case. Oh, so the Raiders don't play until well, right at the right at the end. <laughs> Right at the so end, when- so the Raiders will know if if they can, uh, you know, fudge it or or what. But look. Yep. Yeah, you're you're right, but up until that point, you may actually have, you know, Sharks v Raiders may actually end up being the the final game that 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 decides the top eight, the makeup of the top eight, and uh, you know, at that point we may have uh, either the Rabbitohs or if well, Rabbitohs and Roosters will have a winner if the Cowboys beat the Panthers, which it sounds like the Panthers are not like they they're not necessarily at at B grade strength. So yep. it's possible that that's not going to be an issue. But then let's just say the Roosters uh, gets in there, then, well, actually, that's the thing. If the Cowboys lose, Raiders and Sharks can afford to – it doesn't really matter because they're in. <laughs> they're in regardless because all that's happened is the Roosters – if the Roosters win, they've overtaken the Rabbitohs and moved up. But there's uh, – you know, there's no way if like basically because the Raiders have a game ahead of Rabbitohs and Cowboys and Roosters, then they, you know, they're and they're in seventh at the moment. They can afford to possibly they can afford to lose um, that last game. Um, and same thing for the the Sharks, of course. But because they got a good for and against, uh, they they kind of go going ahead of the others. But look, I think this the the discussion around the way that the penultimate or the, the ultimate round uh, resting, the resting policy of certain clubs, what that does to the makeup of, uh, and, and the excitement. And, you know, people are calling it the dead rubber round because, you know, in many cases, many of the games are pointless. Quite literally, there's no point playing some of those games. So um, what do you do if you're in a situation where you don't really care if you're third or fourth, you, you're guaranteed a top four spot. What's, what's the point? Um <clears throat> Well, I guess, you know, that, that makes sense. I think the, the question is, what can we do to rectify that? Is it going to turn fans away? Uh, is it going to cause, you know, like, why would you want to go and watch your final, uh, your, your team going around for the final round? And because of the, and, and this is a modern day policy, I think, of resting players. I don't remember this happening 
um, you know, back in the golden era of the 90s and the 80s, I think, you know, where, you know, you, you, you could actually go to your team's final game regardless of whether they're, they're coming first, second or last, and you can be guaranteed that they're going to be there. They're going to be there for the fans. The best players are going to be there. And, you know, they may be subbed out or whatever, but they're at least there and, and, and you know, there for the crowd. And a final sort of um, – a final farewell before you uh, say goodbye to the teams that are out and say good luck to the teams going into the finals. It seems like nowadays we've got, you know, preservation policies that are basically – all for the benefit of the teams, but none for the benefit of the fans. And uh, mm. just wanted your take on that, Tish. Is that does that even matter anymore? Yeah. Well, look, I think I think now, um, I think there are two types of fans: those who have resigned to the fact that the team is not going to make it, right? Which is me. And then, and and probably look, I'll, I'll have to say, Doctor T, you'll have to join that camp now. Um, I am now. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then there's the camp of people that are excited that the team has got a chance or is, um, you know, always playing finals. So I don't think the fans mind too much. Like, I don't think so. Like, I think, I mean, they might not get great crowds this week, but I, I kind of feel like there's nothing else you can do for final round as well, right? Because uh, the problem is there's no stakes for all the teams that are, um, you know, that, that, that can't make it, like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, you just go to – I mean, some of these teams are debuting young players, which is kind of good to see, right? But but really, I suppose that's when you – you know, I, I suppose in the English Premier League, they've got the relegation type sort of thing. But, you know, per, perhaps uh, – yeah. So, so there's maybe something that they should look at in terms of, well, you know, let's, let's make it interesting for them. You know, I remember uh, – I mean, I don't know if they're doing a PM13s game. You know how they do the PM – um, 13 or PM 17 against Papua New Guinea. If they do that, then there's like an individual incentive to play well this week. Um, you know, maybe something like that, that they could sort of look at some representative stuff. But I really think that it is a bit of a it is a bit of an issue from the quality because you know the NRL is a professional competition. It you know you get paid the same amount of money in round one as what you do get paid in round 27, right? So therefore or round 26 or whatever this round is. So I think you've got to like, um, I think you still have to go out there and you've still got to play your game, right? You, you get paid to play, right? So, um, yeah, so maybe they've got to, got to do something like that. Um, you know, maybe maybe they make it a bit more fan interactive this week. I mean, you're allowed to run onto the field or something uh, after the game. Does that really make the players play better? I don't, I'm not too sure, but... <laughs> Probably not. You don't. But look, yeah, I mean, what are, what other things could we do? I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, playing at the same time uh, allows you to sort of, it, it's an, the excitement factor, you know. You've yeah. got, you don't know what's going to happen because it's you're playing it at the same time. The practicality of that is difficult <laughs> because you've got teams across different states and countries. So it's it's a bit of a challenge to do that so i think that's while that's a good idea in some contexts it might be a bit difficult to pull off in uh in this context in the nrl um uh one of the issues i guess is that players are uh, teams are doing this having this resting policy because it is a self-preservation thing and that's fair enough and it's a player injury management kind of thing then why not just have a break or you know is it possible to have a break of some sort between uh, the end of the the regular season and the fi- the start of the finals. So that way everyone gets a chance to rest their players. So therefore you don't need to rest your players in the final round because yep. everyone's got a chance to rest and, and, you know, get over your niggling injuries and that kind of thing. So um, is it the case that, you know, we, we, we come up with something like that, but then that's going to then disrupt the flow? What, what are you going to have, a, a round of no... A week of no games, that's going to be ridiculous at this time of year. So that will never fly in reality. That's not a feasible option unless you replace the missing games with something else. But really, at the moment, it's all about the momentum towards the final. So any anything that stops that, I think, is not going to be feasible and, and will never fly. So it's a bit of a harebrained idea, but you know, nonetheless, it's one that's been... Uh, bandied about a little bit. So I think it's worth raising. So if you can't do games at the same time, because it's practically not possible to do. If you can't do rest week, 
to allow everyone to rest <laughs> before the finals, have a bit of a break, then really what can you do? Not much. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, there's not much you can do. I think, I think the, you know, teams have their own um, policies around whether they want to rest players or not and whether they do want to go for the minor premiership or not. And that's really their choice, isn't it? It's free choice. It's up to them to, to do what they want to do. Um, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while, Tish. I, I don't have an answer. <laughs> this is one of those situations where we wanted to discuss something, but I really don't have a good solution to this problem. I think you're always going to encounter this going forward, and it's it's just a fact of life in terms of the business of running a football team these days. I mean, we've heard about, you know, just to give you an analogy in another another sport, um, NBA, you know, there's uh, there's the talk about, what, uh, you know, the, the rest in players policy there as well is also an issue. Um, uh, they call it load management. You know, they, they play a certain number of games a year. I think it's 82 games uh, in the regular season and uh, quite a few players get rested for certain, certain games, maybe not the key games or the key derby games, but um, you know, a lot of players, the key star players, get rested for a lot of those games, and I think the that has come up in in recent times in terms of uh, you know uh, how do you compare players from this era? Are they softer than players from the Michael Jordan era, for instance? And one way to look at it is, well, look at the results. I mean, someone like a LeBron James, yes, he's a great player, but he's through this sort of policy of managing injuries and load management, he's managed to prolong his career to what, what is it now? I think he's been around for 20 years or whatever it is. It's unbelievable. Um, a lot longer than players used to in the Jordan era, for example. So I think the the proof is in the pudding, as they say, or the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So I think the, the point is the outcome is really clear that if you do that, you protect your players and they can last longer in, in the game. And I think that's kind of what's happening collectively amongst the top teams at the moment. Um, Tish, I have no answers basically, but it is what it is. Do you have a, a final word before we move on? Well, look, you know, I remember a long time ago, they used to do like this exhibition match, um, like sort of in the last round or maybe before the finals, like in, they would have like retired players like Brett Kenny and Wally Lewis or something like, you know, have different teams and have some celebrities playing and a couple of players. Can they do something like that? Do you think? Do you reckon? Do you reckon that for one for one game you've got the choice of bringing in uh, the masters and uh, the former players? And yeah, yeah, exactly. Place, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Look, something... I, I think that's a gimmick. Uh, to be honest, it's a bit gimmicky. And I think, okay. like I said, I said at this time of year, I think that the players want uh, the fans really want to see their teams um, some serious for footy. The they yeah, want to okay. see serious footy. I do as well, and and I think that's. Um, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I think if, whatever other ideas we've got, if, mm. if you at all suggest a change to the schedule or whatever, it's it's going to be, yeah, it's not going to sit well with the broadcasters. Yeah. They're going to lose money, put it that way. Yeah, all hail the great broadcasters. We must bow down to all their whims, right? Well, they're paying us a lot of money and okay, the players yeah, a lot okay. of money. So after all that discussion that they've talked about, player, you know, compensation and and the you know the bar enterprise bargaining agreement or whatever, you know, you can't then turn around and go, oh, okay, well then, you know, have another rest, <laughs> have another rest <laughs> week. Um, yeah. But look, anyway, look, we're not going to solve the world's problems here today. But I think we've had a good go. It is a dead rubber for some, and it's nothing you can do about it. Um, but I think it does make it a little bit, uh, you know, I'll tell you who's really annoyed. It's those who are really into their tipping <laughs> and who are the serious yeah. gamblers are going to be really annoyed because it's hard to predict yeah. and it's hard to work yeah. out who's, who's doing what that's, yeah. uh, that's annoying for them. But also, yeah. I guess, like I said, the regular fan, it's a, it's a shame. They don't get to farewell their team, uh, at full strength in their, the final yeah. game of the season. It's more about, you know, no, they're not going to be playing because they know they're guaranteed a spot in the finals and we want to protect them so that yeah. they're at full strength. It's a shame. And the fans are getting missed out. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, a very well-centred, grounded, mindful group of our, you know, in our society, gamblers, to see them upset. It's, you know, it's very rare. Look, I'm all for protecting all parts of society, including those who throw their money away willingly on a on an app 
or, uh, you know, <laughs> anyway, there you go. Um, look, we've got two clubs in crisis and that's all we're going to talk about over the next two tackles. Let's talk about the Rabbitohs gone south. Tackle number three. <laughs> All right, so the Rabbitohs gone south. Um, you know, they've – look, <laughs> a few weeks ago uh, – what, what was it? Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, they were riding high. They were almost at the top of the competition ladder. They slowly started to slip down, and now they're in danger of missing out completely in the top eight. And some people have been very vocal during the week, um, you know, maybe not publicly or deliberately, but – They've been very vocal amongst themselves around um, what the reason might be for that um, downhill, downhill performance. Um, and one of the players that's been, you know, very much kind of targeted is Latrell Mitchell. Um, you know, we did notice a couple of times when he first came back from his injury, um, he was, uh, you know, he looked like in defence, he was a turnstile. He got, um, there was a couple of weird situations where he got wrong-footed and, and just... Uh, looked like he gave up, <laughs> didn't even turn around, didn't even bother. As a fullback, you can't have fullbacks that play like that defensively. So, you know, even from back then, it was a, about a month or so ago that that happened. You could tell that there was um, something not quite right. Um, and that has kind of spilled into other kind of ugly relationship <laughs> dramas have, have come out um, in in South's. Um, and one of them is the is it the son of or the grandson of Clive Churchill, who uh, obviously the the grand final best player in the grand final is named after Clive Churchill, um, has uh, uh, I forget his name, but has come out and Rod, Rod actually, Churchill. Rod Churchill. He hasn't actually come out, and I should be clear on this. There was text messages between him and some of the the higher ups in the South Sydney. Um, uh, I think in South Sydney board or um, whoever it was. And uh, there were text messages that were leaked by the media. Um, and in those text messages, it was very clear that he was saying that uh, he's pointing the finger at Luttrell. Uh, he's lazy. He's a bad influence on, on other players, etc. And uh, they've got to sort it out. Now that then led to, I think uh, a bit of a backlash or, or, statement being made that, um, you know, that if, if Souths make the grand final and one of their players gets the Clive Churchill medal, that they will refuse to go up there and, um, you know, and, and accept the award based on that, on Rod's comments. Um, or at least if Rod is there presenting the award, shaking hands, that they, they will refuse to go up there. To which a lot of people online said, um, you have to get there first, South Sydney. <laughs> you have to get to the grand final. You're not there yet. Uh, you know, hold your horses. But, um, you know, some very difficult and, – and then in the midst of all that as well, we've only just last week seen, um, you know, there was – Sam Burgess was uh, unceremoniously sacked, although some people might say, well, we, we knew he got the top job at Warrington. So, um, you know, why are we surprised that, that he was sacked as the assistant coach? He was never going to – be around, but he was sacked, you know, before the end of the season. I guess that's the thing, that he was immediately sacked. And and I think Russell Crowe got involved somehow. Someone asked him to make a phone call. It was just – this is, uh, you know, Tish, it's 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 in the realm of, of Bollywood drama, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> What's happening at the Rabbitohs. Uh, the only thing that's missing is a dance routine at halftime. That's the only mm. difference. Otherwise, this could be a Bollywood – film about uh, yeah. the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Unbelievable. What is your take on all this drama? Yeah, well, look, if we uh, just, like, chain the events a little bit. So I think the, uh, yes, yeah, so the Sam Burgess and John Morris. Now, here's the thing. John Morris is going to stay on until the end of the year, but he's moving to the Tigers next year. Um, so both of these guys were apparently – uh, accused of leaking information to the media, something like that. I don't know. Was it something like that? Oh, they it might was, be the leakers. All right, they might be the leakers, right? Which for John Morris, I'm like, well, if you go into the Tigers, I mean, I think that that's also a very leaky club, right? For that type of stuff. So maybe. <laughs> oh no. So, oh, no. so I don't know if that's going to improve things, but you know, Sam Burgess, obviously, he played. Um, you know, he's very, very, very uh, key to South. 
you know, club that he loves apparently. And then so he's been, you know, an assistant coach and, you know, um, you can tell just by his personality, he's the type of that that's probably going to want really high training standards. Um, so, you know, and the, I think this is, to be honest, I'm just sort of from what I've heard, um, so I, I can't really, and sort of what I've read, and I, I don't, it's kind of my take on it. I think what's happened is that he wasn't sort of too happy about how the training standards were. And then, you know, um, he didn't really get along with Andrew Demetrio in terms of, you know, how he sort of run the club and things like that. And then, so I think Andrew has got a different way of doing it. Things so that, you know, basically that had a falling out. And then I think Samba just, just, you know, uh, they just decided that, look, it's probably not going to work. And, you know, there's no point in sort of butting heads every week. It's distracting the team a little bit, you know, the mixed messages. Um, it's probably time that you just sort of focus on. And I think, and I think it's kind of a convenient end, but it's it's probably not the happiest that, that either of them are. But in, at the end of the day, if you can't work, I mean, it, it, it does make sense that sometimes you just can't work with people, right, that um, certain, you know, and certain views just cannot be mended sort of thing. And, um, you know, whether they're on speaking, non-speaking terms, I'm not, I'm not 100%, but look, it, it just, I think it just for both of their sort of, um psyche andrew demetrio and sam burgess if, if they can't work together there's no real point because you know sam burgess is off to another club next year you know you might as well end things early a little bit right and then you know the whole issue about how uh you know the rabbitos are training and whether you know players like latrell mitchell and i think even dylan walker has been dragged into this whether they're training hard enough whether they're actually putting in the effort and all that kind of stuff um at training I suppose none of us are actually at the training, so we don't really know what actually happens and goes on there and, you know, who who's right, who's late, who's early and, you know, what they're sort of going through. Um, but, look, I kind of feel like with both these players, and I think a lot of South Sydney players, they've got a lot of talent in their team and they have a roster that I think should be a top four side, um, to say the least. So I think the only thing we can really judge on is their effort and their results on the field that we can see and i think i could say that probably the results haven't been there and then when you couple that with like you know there's some uncharacteristic sort of errors that they sort of uh you know exhibit out there whether it's like you know making a pass to nobody or a lapse in concentration or defense there is there are they are making a lot of mistakes out there and then some of that mistakes could be down to fatigue um, some of them could be down to just like, you know, communication. Um, so I think there is probably something not happening in their training that probably needs to happen. Um, you know, but I don't think in, I don't think it's something you can single out a single pl- player to, because the thing about rugby league, it is a team sport, right? So, you know, if there's a defensive lapse, I mean, there are defensive laps all the time, but tries don't get scored because, other players can cover your defensive lap, right? So mm. it is a team sport as well. So I don't think you can just hang it on Latrell and Cody Walker. I think you've just got to look at the whole team and just go, hey, guys, like, you know, um, our club took a big risk two years ago getting rid of Adam Reynolds. Uh, we barely made the finals last year. We did, we're, not, we're very close to not making the finals this year. Um, but yet we did this because we thought we we're in a better position without Adam Reynolds to go to the grand final. But clearly the gamble has not paid off. Mm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Look, and, uh, you know, you you mentioned that it's a team sport here and it's it shouldn't be about the one, the one player. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to segue this into tackle number four. We're going to talk about you know, what, what happens when someone, uh, you know, doesn't do right by the team and uh, the coach decides to do some funny business uh, in, with punishment? Um, this is what's led to the Bulldogs crisis at the moment, and that's what we're going to talk about. Tackle number four, here we go. So the Bulldogs are in crisis yet again. This time it's about 
the controversial uh, training methods of uh, Bulldogs coach Cameron Serraldo, which has led to a player walking out of the club. So here I'll just read what the, st the statement is. I don't know if you know anything about this, but this is uh, I, this almost I almost had to find out if this was a Batuta advocate. Uh, yeah, it seems like a hoax. <laughs> I can't believe this story, but I'm going to read it as seriously as I can. Uh, parts of what I've found online, and and we'll see if we can talk about it. Bulldogs coach Cameron Serraldo has been grilled by reporters after revelations a player walked out as a result of physical punishment. Um, the coach said he's trying to change behaviours and drive standards at the club after revelations that a fringe first grader, I don't know who it was, uh, they haven't named him, fringe first grader walked out after he was punished for being late to training. They, the Bulldogs club has launched an investigation into the treatment of this player uh, who was allegedly made to wrestle more than a dozen players as his punishment for being late. So RLPA, the Rugby League Players Association, is also investigating this incident, uh, or sorry, separate incident. No, no, sorry, the same incident <laughs> that happened five weeks ago amid players' uh, reports that player discontent of, with uh, Coach Serraldo. Um, on Wednesday, he said it was a sensitive issue, quote, unquote. Wouldn't go into specifics, but he was adamant that player-driven punishments for being late were part of the lift in standards needed at the Bulldogs. He denied that there was a mass pushback from the players and said it was his job to fix the culture, which is not right after several mediocre seasons. And here's the quote. He says, I don't want to comment specifically, but at different times we've wanted to put some standards in place. And obviously if you're late, we have to do something. We are trying to drive standards. We want to have the winning performance standards. And a lot of that is around individual responsibilities and we have to hold those standards and Serraldo said that physical punishment for a drop-in standards was one of the many penalties, and he'd continued, he would continue to push the players as a way to change behaviours. And he says, we've gone through a range of different ways of talking about holding standards, etc. could go on forever. But look, you know, for whatever reason, there was this kind of team-based agreement on, you know, if you let down the team, you're going to be punishing with a particular physical kind of challenge, whatever it is. In this case, it was about wrestling players for some reason. I don't know how that's gr particularly grueling, but for whatever reason, this fringe first grader has found it enough and he's had enough. That's it. It's the straw that broke the camel's back and he's mm. decided, that's it, I'm out, I'm gone. Now, I don't know if they mean like quit the club or just walked out of training because <laughs> the way it's written, it's hard to tell what, what they mean by he's walked out of, you know, as he walked out of the club, I don't know if that is the case. That is, uh, you know, a bit disproportionate, I would think to being punished at something at training. Um, who knows? Maybe there's other things going on. I'm guessing that there's other situation, other, other context here in this situation that we're not being uh, told, but look, I wanted to raise the point, first of all, what you think about this, but secondly, let's raise a broader point. Um, you know, Tish, let's just say you were the Bulldogs coach and you were in charge. Uh, what would you do to change the culture and to stop players, you know, not doing the right thing, turning up late to training, you know, not tucking their shirt in, whatever it is that you don't want. What would you do if you were the coach? Okay, so this is kind of, Kind of a bit crazy, but there is a Netflix documentary on at the moment called uh, The Swamp. Have you seen it, Dr. C? No, I have not. No, but it's basically about the uh, – it's about the University of Florida. Um, I think they're called the Gators, and I think they're – Oh, the Gators, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's their period where they were winning nothing for a few years, and then a new coach comes in in 2005, and then they win, like, every year for like 10 years or something like that, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, I think Tim Tebow was a part of that and things like that. But it's very interesting you talk about this wrestling type of thing because one of the things that the coach coach did um, is that, like, you know, he was thinking that, like, he needs to get discipline into his players and he comes from more of a, a military background than a football background. So um, one of the things that they actually had to do is they did actually have, you know, it was like, at two on two, um, you know, one person has to try and crawl 
to like the other end of the gymnasium while somebody else is on top of him trying to stop him from doing that. And that was like their wrestling challenge. And um, base, and then basically he says in this documentary, the reason why he did that, so players will quit, right? Because mm-hmm. he didn't want players that weren't able to fight all the way till the end. Like he just wanted like that attitude of like fighting to the death no matter what it takes. And if you can't make the standard, then you're not sort of be here. So it was very like, you know, um, I, I don't know what type of what you'd call it, but very sort of militaristic-ish, you know, you got to break him down first and then you got to rebuild them mm. from sort of training methods. Um, and and that's what sort of, um, you know, he sort of attributes that sort of hard training as to what they get him to the, to the top. And, look, I've heard stories about how, um, you know, Craig Bellamy at Melbourne Storm, he's sort of big on this, like, lots of fitness, lots of, like, you know, um, mentally strong, challenging, like, players, like, to get get their best out of them, like like physically type stuff, and you know this that they do have something to do with punishments, like you said. But I think the punishments at the Melbourne Storm might be a little because it's to do with haircuts, right? Like if you have a bad haircut and you don't score a try or something like that, then like you know, like so, yeah, they've got like those type of rules in and that type of thing. So yeah, so look, it's probably happen. I think it's probably happening a lot more than what we think. I think with the successful clubs, they probably do have this type of thing. I can imagine this type of thing at Penrith being like just a part of your everyday life because I feel like they love that really competitive culture between the players type thing. And I think somehow that competitiveness sort of um, builds into them a a bit of a uh, camaraderie as well because they know that they have to suffer together so that they also get to win together type thing. So he's trying to... Bulldogs, and I think it's just not happening. And then players are still showing up late. So, yeah. So I, I mean, so <laughs> yeah. I think I, I feel like I think obviously the Bulldogs. Look, the Bulldogs have players that were doing really well last year. So they've moved to the Bulldogs, and now they're not doing well. So I think it's the same thing with my club, the Tigers. I don't feel they're training hard enough. And I think I think Cameron Serrata has a point, even though this type of uh, you know. Uh, physical activity seems a little barbaric, um, but I think it's. I mean, rugby league is kind of barbaric as well. Like, so <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to be doing at tra- training type thing? So, look, I think I, I think it's kind of a. Uh, I think it's just a media beat up, really. Like, I, I think um, you know, if the player yeah, couldn't find it tough enough, or well, maybe you know, <laughs> I don't know what other club he could go to that's going to be. Um, like you know, because the Bulldogs are not not nowhere near the top, right? So, um, so that's kind of yeah. So I, look, I'm supporting Cameron Serrato on this one. Well, I'm look. I'm going to go with a final observation for this, and then I'll, we'll move on to the next tackle. But I, I got to say something, Tish. Uh, my final observation is if you look at the ex uh, assistant Penrith coaches, one of them is has taken his team to top four spot. Mm. And uh, is uh, doing, you know, rest player rest management kind of thing, just what we spoke about earlier. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, yes. he's on the right track. He's doing all sorts of things. Cultural and appropriation see, sessions with like, the, uh, like Maori culture and stuff. That's right. And the other one wants to fix cultures by, uh, <laughs> yes. okay. by, I think it's fair to say we know which assistant coach had the harebrained ideas uh, that <laughs> Ivan Cleary. <laughs> Dismiss. It sounds like it's Seraldo. Look, that's my final. I'm just saying. Oh, look, I'm just. I'm just telling you what's out there in the media. Mm. That's. It's what it looks like to me. That you know, one one guy has managed to get the culture thing sorted out, and the other one thinks that the way to build culture is to, you know, uh, put people through uh, Rocky Rocky Four montages. Uh, <laughs> is he going to make them run through Siberia and and pound pound the uh, the the <laughs> the big lamb on the spit or whatever, or, you know, in the, in the butcher, that kind of thing. Is that what he's going to get them doing? Cause it seems a bit, it seems a bit old school and I don't know mm. if it's working, <laughs> put it that way. I think it's not working. And, and uh, although, you know, one way to look at it is if players are voluntarily leaving, then maybe you didn't want them at the club at all, but still um, that's my observation. <laughs> you know, maybe you can tell the differences in style of those assi- former assistant Permit Panthers coaches, but look, there you go. 
let's move on to a good news story for once. Uh, and it's about women's refs. And here we go. Tackle number five. All right. The NRL has announced that Belinda Sharp and Casey Badger will make history becoming the first females to officiate under the single referee system in the NRL. Belinda Sharp has previously been on the field during the two referee system and will now officiate the Seagulls versus Tigers game at Brookvale Oval or Four Pines or whatever they call it on Friday. Meanwhile, Casey Badger will referee the Titans v Bulldogs clash at Seabus Super Stadium on Sunday. That is, uh, you know, in the final round of the NRL this year when we've just talked about, you know, a few weeks ago about the about women's sport in the form of soccer. Uh, we've talked about, you know, quite a few times women's rugby league, you know, kicking goals and moving on and progressing so much this year with, uh, you know, with just the way that they're integrating with uh, the, the NRL um you know, the, the final series, you know, having the games on the, the grand finals on the same day, uh, the, the the great number of eyeballs that we're getting to these games on TV, etc. And to cap it off with having, uh, you know, a win for women referees, I think is absolutely fantastic. So, look, well done to Belinda and Casey because I, I think, you know, I mean, you can say well done to the NRL to giving them the opportunity but really, it looks like that they have got there on their own merit, and that's kind of what you want to see. You want to see, um, you know, be interesting to see. I think I'll be watching it with interest because this is a big occasion. As we said, Belinda has actually Belinda Sharp has actually already been on the field during the two referee system. I don't remember what game that was, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in both of these games with a single a single female referee being. Uh, out there in the middle, you know, what happens if there is, uh, you know, there's some talk back? Is there some uh, players trying to push the boundary in terms of, uh, you know, the the ruck, um, decisions around the ruck, you know, pushing pushing back if they disagree with decisions, whatever. It'd be interesting to see how does, uh, how does a, a female handle this uh, compared to, you know, we've seen with the, with the males that, that there are some that are quite, you know, very much like a PE teacher kind of not not listening to you get back the 10 meters you know like is that is that style going to work for the females is that what these uh, ladies are like who knows and it'll be interesting to see so I'll be watching with interest to see you know a how how comfortable are they out there on their own making the, the key decisions out there but also b how are they going to handle when some of the players inevitably you know will 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 fight back or, or push the boundary a little bit. So, you know, we've got – look, we've got uh, – both games are not consequential for the final. So I think that this would have been a good opportunity to blood them and, and get them in there and get that exposure. So I think for that, I would say congratulations to the NRL. Uh, smart move to do it uh, and, and to give them an opportunity and to progress uh, women referees. Tish, what is your uh, observation about this? Well, look um – yeah, that's correct. Now, I think Casey Badger had also refereed in the dual referee uh, era, <laughs> right? And I think she actually refereed with her husband. Uh, oh, Jordan did she? Badger. Yeah, I think I think so. I'm, I'm trying to, Gavin, trying Gavin to Badger. find it. Um, it might have been a World Cup rugby game as well, World Cup rugby league game. But I think it was a husband oh, wife, right. uh, you know, uh, coaching uh, like refereeing together. Maybe 2015 or 2017. Mm-hmm. I'm looking it up. Maybe it's all, you know, internet kerfuffle. Um, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> we can't. We have to fact check. Fact check. Uh, we have to fact check. Fly. Yeah. But yeah. But look, it's um. Yeah. Look, it's very exciting. I mean, they they both get to uh, both get to do it, and I think, um. Yeah. Look, I think about time as well because I think both of them have been, um, they've been in the elite, uh, group of refereeing. Um, you know, doing. I think uh, the bunker work, doing the sideline and doing a couple mm-hmm. of things in the men's games. Um, so I definitely feel that they have been more than ready. Um, but, yeah, a- as you said, like maybe just the way they sort of sometimes, um, you know, sometimes when when like the, you know, the players get a bit emotional and aggressive out there, 
um, there might be a bit of a fear. But look, I, I don't think it's, you know, I, th- I, th- I think these, I think there's enough respect for both these, uh, you know, both these women in in rugby league. Um, the fact that they've been around the place for so long, that look, I think it's very exciting. And and um, you know, look, uh, it's great. I mean, have we beaten the AFL to the punch? Has there been an AFL women's referee in a in a in a in a game? Hopefully not. Have we beat them? Uh, poss- possibly. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. Not sure. Okay. Well, look, yeah. But look, it's a great day for uh, for uh, the NRL. And um, like, yeah, and, and hopefully they do a good job. Hopefully um, the fan abuse for a wrong decision, um, you know, won't, won't be too bad. I mean, I hope they don't have like a decision that goes against the home team and then is like a like, you know, a really crazy boo or something because uh, that would be quite upsetting for them. But look, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but look, I, I think it's great. And look, and if they do a great job, I mean, I would like to see them, you know, probably do like a, um, you know, Melbourne pa- Panthers game down the track, you know, like one of these top flight games. Who knows? Maybe a state of origin uh, refereed by a woman. I can't wait for a day like that. Oh, that would be absolutely epic and awesome. But, yeah, um, but look, yeah, a, a great way to end the season for women referees to have that opportunity at the, at, on on the front stage. Not even, not one, but two games. So well done uh, to both of them and good luck for them uh, to them on the weekend. And uh, with that, we move on to our final regular season uh, tipping round <laughs> tackle here. Tackle number six, here we go. So after round 26, we both got five out of eight, which brings you to a total of 123 and me to 119. So I'm still four behind you. Um, But let's move on to our preview of the final round, round 27, Broncos v Storm. This is probably the one that will decide the minor premiership. Given what you've said about who's been ruled out, I would say the Storm are going to win this one. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Broncos. Ooh, interesting. Because the Storm have resting more players than the Broncos. Oh, are they? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I still I still don't know what to think. I, I still reckon the Panthers will win the minor premiership, but there you go. Well, um, Manly versus Tigers, I'm tipping Manly. Yeah, oh, look, I'm going to tip an upset. I'm going to tip the Tigers. Well done. Rabbitohs v Roosters. This is another one that could actually, uh, you know, decide the makeup of the top eight. Everyone is thinking Rabbitohs crisis, Roosters on a high, but I just get the feeling the Rabbitohs are going to pull one out of the hat. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Roosters. Um, I even heard a suggestion that all this drama at the Rabbitohs was caused by the Roosters leaking the photos or something like that. <laughs> is that why Jared Warrior Hargraves got seven match suspension because <laughs> of the media leak? <laughs> yeah. There you yeah. go. Well, I think actually, just to be quite to be serious, that I think is going to be a big loss for them. So uh, this, I think, on that basis, I think if Jared was there, I might have suggested you know they've got some strength in the forwards, but I think the Rabbitohs are going to um, roll over them. So anyway, Dolphins Warriors Warriors are resting ton of players as well, but I'm still tipping them. Yeah, same here. I'm going to tip the Warriors as well, and um, yeah, and, and, but I'm also looking for looking forward to see Dolphins play their final game of the year. You know, like pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, um, and and they've had a pretty good season considering. I mean, I know they they were up there initially, but um, you know, let's see how they go. Panthers v Cowboys this is another one that could decide the top eight. Um, you know, everyone's resting some players except for the Cowboys, who are desperate to win. I just don't think they've got it in them. Even with a second-string Panthers team, I think the Panthers are way too strong. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking the same. I don't think the Panthers lose too many games, like, in a row. Um, so I'm going to tip the Panthers, and um, they're not resting as much players as what others are saying as well. So I, th- I think they really want to win this one. So I'm, I'm going to tip the Panthers for this one. All right, St. George of the War Dragons and Newcastle Knights. Uh, I think the Knights will win this one. Yeah, I'm going to – yeah, look, no, no, I'm going to tip an upset. I'm going to tip the Dragons here. What? <laughs> yeah, look, I, um, I think just because they're going to be at home um, against the Knights who are resting pretty much their spine. So that's why I'm going to tip the Dragons. Titans v Bulldogs uh, at Seabus Super Stadium. I'm tipping the Titans. 
Yeah, I'm tipping the tight <laughs> the Titans on this one. Um, a bit like the Manly Tigers game. Really, really no no consequences here. And finally, and this is actually probably going to be the one that decides who what the final makeup of the top eight is: the Sharks versus the Raiders. Now, I've flip flopped on this because I'm I'm not sure whether resting Nico was a good idea. I just get the feeling that that the Ricky Stewart has something ready for the Raiders. And if they manage to win this one and uh, get into that top eight, it must be the first time, it has to be the first time in history we've had uh, a top eight team with a terrible for and against, (laughs) completely massively negative. I think they're up to negative 119 or something at the moment, which is ridiculous. So if they win by one or two points, it'll be, you know, negative at 100 at least. Um, and, And they're in the top eight, which is unheard of. It's absolutely ridiculous. But... That's been the volatility of the Raiders this year. So I think the Raiders, um, this will be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's a, is it a Father's Day game, I think? Is that right? So, you know, all the dads out there, if you're, if you're anywhere near Cronulla in the Shire, get out there and support either the Sharks or the Raiders and, and uh, have a look at who that final team will be to make the top eight because uh, it will likely come from this game. So I tip in the Raiders. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I think the Sharks pretty much win their last uh, game every year, but the problem is they don't beat top eight teams, and the Raiders are in the top eight right at the moment, right? Uh, <laughs> tough one, eh? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Look, I'm going to tip the Sharks. I just think uh, when all else fails, go for the home side, I think, but it's going to be a really tight one. Um, the, I could see the Raiders are easily winning it as well. Um so, yeah, and then, look, I suppose the Sharks are pretty safe, I feel, but the Raiders really need it. Yeah, oh, yeah no, I'm going to tip it the Sharks. So, um, and then, yeah, it will make it interesting whether they make it or not if they, if they lose this game. So, yeah. Yeah, well done. All right, well, and then, obviously, the Eels have the bye. They've started their Mad Monday already um, after <laughs> a tough season. Uh, mm. And, look, that's it. That wraps up the podcast. Um, final round of the NRL. Enjoy it. Get out there if you can wherever you are, and uh, we will then dive into the finals as of next week. should be epic, and, uh, you know, we still don't know who the top eight is, so we'll find out, uh, I think, by that last game. Enjoy it. Um, Happy Father's Day to those dads out there, um, especially those who have uh, toiled for many years to bring some of their, their youngsters to rugby league games who are now playing in first grade and, and uh, you know, earning enough to buy their house. <laughs> <laughs> by the mouse <laughs> in the west of Sydney or whatever. So well done to all the dads out there on on behalf of our Rugby League Republic here. We salute you. Thanks for everything you do. Have a good one on Sunday. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Yes, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.